somebody sent me a letter said one of the greatest lines I've ever heard in a song was in Gypsy Joe and Me when you said we might have slept in a mayonnaise jar. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody. I'm Reba McIntyre doing a little podcast here called Living and Learning with my co-host, the ever-loving, ever-funny Melissa Peterman. Good morning. How are you? I am doing really well. It's a hot, humid day here in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. How's it in L.A.? It is hot and humid here as well. Really? Wow. Well, because today's show is about a topic near and dear to my heart, We're going to be talking about forging your own path, both in your career and just life in general. And we are so excited today to be speaking to someone I deeply admire and look up to, my friend, Dolly Parton. I'm so excited. You know, I do believe that I'm not always in charge, and that's sometimes a relief to say this is out of my hands. But there's something about taking charge of what you want your career to look like, and that's something that I think we have to be everyone is in charge of saying no to things or deciding what is right for them in their job. Like you can't just sit back and let a career happen. You know what I mean? That's not going to happen either. You've got to fight hard and be smart. Yeah. Well, just sit back and wait for it. You know, it's going to come to you because that's what you were put on this earth for. No, it doesn't work like that. You get the sign, you get the talent, and then you have to go work your butt off. I know it happens for everybody in a different way to take control of your own career. I can't wait because I've never heard Dolly talk about this. And uh, she probably has a lot, but I've never heard her say how she, you know, really took charge. I, I kind of think it's when she did leave the Porter Wagner show, but that's what I want to ask Dolly. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. So, Reba, when did you feel like you first really took charge of your own career? Mine was uh, just not being happy with with the way things were. And when you've got that gut feeling and you just like, Bleh. it's just not right. And if you're not singing the songs you feel passionate about, you're robbing yourself, but you're also robbing your fans of songs that need to be sung. Once things are right, it's right for everybody. And if things are wrong for you, It's not just wrong for you. It's wrong for everybody, your family, your job, the people that you work with. Well, I'm excited to hear your talk, and I think that you two have a lot in common. You took charge. You said no. You wanted to create your own band. You wanted to be more in charge and not let someone tell you when and how you could sing. Like, What compromises did you make before you found a voice to forge your own path that you learned from? Was there anything that you did compromise on? Oh, well, I mean, I didn't know that I was compromising because I thought everybody knew a lot more than I did, which they did. But I learned from them. I had great producers, managers that would tell me this is the way we need to do it. And then when I'd go back to them and I'd say, you know, what if we did this? And a few times it was like, (laughs) no, we don't do it like that. 
But in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, but one of these days, I want to do it like that. And eventually, I did get to do it like that. Okay. But in the beginning, when I first started out, I was too afraid to push or, you know, to say no. Did you ever take a job out of fear? Yeah. I was afraid that I, if I said no, I'd never get another offer again or I needed money. Yeah. Me too, on both counts. I think it's a luxury when you finally get to a place in your life where you can say no to a job. A lot of us, you know, you'd say yes to a lot of jobs. And, you know, and I'm not just talking acting. I mean, I'm talking when I was 16 and 17 and, you know, those summer jobs in college, I said yes to every single job. And some of them weren't awesome and the people weren't always great. A lot of them were, but you don't have the luxury. You have to say yes sometimes because you need the money. So I feel really lucky when I can say no to a job. But do you ever get rid of that fear? Like, do you remember? I still have fear. I'm old. Is anyone ever going to hire me again? Am I still funny? I don't know. You know, I get nervous. I don't know that it was a fear. It was just taking care of business, maybe. But you did have to take jobs that you didn't like. I was always thinking one of these days I'm going to get to a point where I'm not going to do anything I don't have fun with. But still, I do stuff that needs to be done. It's not a fun project, but it needs to be done. So, you know, you have to take everything individually. Mm-hmm. But boy, we've been blessed. We're getting to do some of the most fun things. And yeah. acting, a sitcom, to me, is the best. It's getting paid to have fun. So, Reba, so you definitely had a time in your life when you divorced Narvel, and you really had to be foraging all the past. You were in control of everything. I mean, he was your manager. He was your husband. How did you take control after that moment in your life? I think forging your own path is what I see with that. That's your choice. The divorce was not my choice. I did not want it at all. So it was left up to me of, okay, kid, how are you going to handle this? So when the three people who were literally taking care of me and my company, my career left me. It was kind of a buckle up buttercup moment for me. (laughs) I had to, what the hell am I going to do? And so it was kind of, as I call, come to Jesus meeting. And I had to gather my wherewithal, put my feelings aside and go forward. So it was forging a path that I didn't want any part of it, but I had to do it, not only for myself, but for my band, my crew, uh, my organization, the RBI. I had to say, okay, this has happened. We all know what's happened because you all were involved. Now we've got to move forward. And so it was catch up 101. I had to learn so much that was dumped on my lap. I remember. But I think it's made me appreciate the business more. I've learned a lot. And so there I was again, forging another part of the territory I never even thought I would have to deal with. I remember back then, and I remember you were saying things like, I had no idea this cost this to get a band across country because you were so busy doing the other things and people were doing that. But watching you take control and go, and this is how we could do it better and save it this way. And this is how, you know, maybe this would make it better for the band if we did it this way. But I love what you said that the idea of foraging your own path sometimes happens because you have to. It's not because you want to. You're in charge, for real. I'm still learning. I've got great people on my team that handle it now that are so good at what they do. But that's part of being someone in charge is surround yourself with a great team. Oh, gosh, that know better than I do. You have the dream team. You really do. 
Do you like aspects of the business that maybe you didn't have to be more involved with before? Are you enjoying that part of being in charge of your career in a way? Some days I do. Some days I don't. Some days I just want to just be the girl singer. And then sometimes I want to get so involved and know every aspect of it and why, because I just got a feeling that something could be done better. Sometimes I have a suggestion and sometimes I'm like, carry on. Y'all are great. And I think that's the good thing to acknowledge, too, because some days you're like, I want to be the director, the producer. I want to do all that because in the next day, you're like, I just want to show up on set and say words someone told me to. You know, <laughs> it's like I'm I'm five today. I can't. Someone mm-hmm. bring me some hot tea. And it's about recognizing that that's OK. Some days maybe you've got it in you to be the one in charge of everything. And some days you just want to be the girl singer. You know, and that's there you okay. go. There you are. Well, we're about to get into our topic of forging your own path with the one and only Dolly Parton. So you guys stick around. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. All right, today we are joined by legendary singer, actress, producer, author, humanitarian, magical, amazing, beautiful person, and my personal hero. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our podcast, Dolly Parton. Yeah, are you talking about me? Yes. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and that was only a third of what I could have said. Oh, well, thank you. I say, I'm not all that. I'm not even all there. <laughs> Hey, Dolly. I'm happy to know you got your own little podcast show and that I'm on it. (laughs) Oh, it's fun. We are thrilled to death to get you on it. And now that we're doing the podcast with you, we've got tons of questions for you. Okay, shoot. What we're doing today is a little episode on the podcast calling Forging Your Own Path. And we thought, my gosh, there's nobody better on this subject than you. (laughs) Forging your own path. Well, you know, we were talking about the idea of feeling empowered to take charge of your career. And I don't think there's anyone who does it better than you, Dolly. Like, when did you feel like you really took control of your career and what you wanted to do? Because I feel like you do it all the time. Well, I've really always kind of had a lot of confidence in myself and in my talent. And I always had God to back me up. So I had a lot of confidence that a lot of people don't because I kind of held on to that. And I truly believed that I had a gift that God had given me and that it was my responsibility to uh, take care of that and to do whatever I could. So I always made it a point to do everything I could, no matter how hard I had to work or what I had to sacrifice, as long as it wasn't my morals, my principles and my values, that I would be willing to work till I fell over to get the job done. And I still do that. And I never go outside that box of where I feel it's right and wrong for me. That's awesome. 
How did you know to listen to that voice inside? How young were you? I actually started singing, writing songs when I was little, even before I left home. When I was about seven years old, when I got my first guitar, I started writing songs. And my uncle, Bill Owens, used to take me around to radio stations and different places to the county fair to sing. But I think I was probably 10 years old when I realized this is what I really wanted to do. And I, I realized that when the people would applaud, that there was a strength in that, there was an energy in that, and that I was important somehow. So I just took all that stuff and kind of put it into a, a positive little package to think, well, you know, this is something I'm doing that people seem to like, so I need to make the most of it. So I think that probably since I was 10 years old, I was pretty confident in who I was and in what I did. When you left the Porter Wagner show, was that a moment that you felt like you really took control of your career and your destiny? That was the grown-up version of it when I, <laughs> when I was little. And I do mean the grown-up version because I worked with Porter for seven years and we kind of had a love-hate relationship, but we really did some great work and we did truly care about each other. But I really needed to get out on my own. I had never planned to stay part of somebody else's show. I had really been going out on my own to start with. But I was fortunate that I got a chance to be on such a big show and I learned a lot. But when I did go out on my own, that was when I really totally felt my independence and my strength as an entertainer, singer, writer, and as a woman. So I would have to say that I claim that and I have not let up since. <laughs> Good deal. Hey, Dolly, when did you start caring less about what other people think about you? Well, I don't think I ever did care because I always knew who I was and God knows who I am. And it hurts my feelings because I'm a very sensitive person. And early on in, in my career, things that were said and some things were true, some were not. But even if they were true, it still hurt if they said it a certain way. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But I just really, I cannot let that stop me. I cannot like I say, it hurts my feelings, but it doesn't stop me. I think about what people say, though, in case there is a, a certain amount of truth in it, and I try to correct that. And if I see that it's just BS, I just go on and think, well, that's their problem, not mine. Yeah. Was there ever a time that you had to stick by your guns, even though it was going to be a risk for you? Absolutely. I've had to go up against a many a good old boy and say, no, I'm not doing that just because you said, I'm not doing anything that I don't feel right about in my heart. And it's like all those people that say they have you know, made it to the top by however they make it. I've never slept with anybody. I didn't want to. I never had to do anything because I was kind of brought up in a family of brothers and uncles and my dad. So I kind of know how men are and how men think. But I don't back down. I don't care who you are if it's something I believe in. And I've let a lot of what people would call good deals go by because I wasn't willing to sacrifice things that I thought that would entail. And so that's what you have to kind of learn to stand up and know what's something that you've got to live with all the decisions that you make. You know, it's like I make decisions every day. The good ones inspire me and the bad ones just kind of teach me. So that's kind of how you have to look at it. Oh, I wanted to ask, is it true that you declined Elvis's request to record I Will Always Love You because he wanted 50% of the royalties. That is a true story. 
It didn't have anything to do with Elvis. I loved Elvis. It was Colonel Tom Parker, his manager, who was brilliant. You can't take that away from people. Mm -hmm. He did all right by him. But I had already had a number one song on I Will Always Love You, and that was the most important copyright I had in my publishing company. And so I was so excited. I told everybody they'd call me that Elvis was recording it, and if I wanted to come to the studio, Elvis wanted to meet me and all that. So anyway, I was so excited that he was going to do it. And the night before the recession, Colonel Tom called me and said, you know, we don't record anything with Elvis unless we have the publishing or at least half the publishing. I said, well, that's a new light on this because I can't give you half the publishing. I've got to leave that to my family. Mm-hmm. I said, I can't do that. And he said, well, then we can't do it. And I cried all night because I thought, oh. oh, I just pictured Elvis like singing it. And I know that Elvis loved it. I know that wasn't him, but it's true. I said, no. And Priscilla told me years later, she said, Elvis sang that song to me when we were coming down the steps after we divorced. He was singing that song to me. So I know he loved the song. So that touched me a lot to think about that. But I thought, well, my family needed that money more than Lisa and Priscilla. So I was glad I kept <laughs> I know I would love to have heard him sing it, but I was glad after uh, Whitney came out with it that I'd kept the potion. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But those, uh, that's just another little thing to talk about young people coming up and women in the business. You That goes to show you kind of need to know when to stand up for yourself. Don't let even like the glorious things like Elvis, who was great. I cried over not hearing him sing it, but I still had to make that tough business decision because I knew that would come back to haunt me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a hard one. I had to choose what was right for me. And that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing when it seems so shiny and wonderful and to be able to stand up for yourself and listen to that little voice in the midst of something so glamorous like Elvis getting to sing that song. Is it true that you wrote Jolene and I Will Always Love You on the same day? You know what? That has got to be one of the biggest surprises. We were looking. I didn't realize that. I don't know if it was the same night. It was on the same cassette. So it was in the same little uh, time period. We were going through all my old tapes, vaults, through my vault and in boxes and all the songs I've written. And we were taking the cassettes and, you know, putting them on hard drives or whatever you call all that technical stuff to (laughs) preserve them. And so the guy that was doing it, he said, did you know that you wrote Jolene and I'll Always Love You at the same time? They said they were back to back on this little cassette and it was dated, you know, like 69, 70, 70, I guess it was. I mean, even if it was in the same year. It was in the same weekend. I know I would sit in that one chair. I had this place over in Antioch, my first house, and I had this little area where I wrote, and I was really in a good mood. I wrote so many of my hit songs there anyway, Love Love is Like a Butterfly, Jolene, I Always Love You, The Seeker, right in that one little spot. But when we saw those back to back, and I thought, oh, I had no idea. I was really rocking that night. (laughs) You know, I can't vacuum and go to the grocery store in the same weekend. And you wrote two hit songs in the same weekend. I do write something every day, sometimes several songs a day. And especially if I get the time to do it, I love to be able to take time off and just write because I can write anytime I can sit down. I've never had writer's block like some people say they do because I don't really feel pressured with anything. I write because I want to, because I love to, and I just have to express myself. It's like my therapy too. It's amazing. I don't need to pay for a doctor. I've got my guitar and my songwriting abilities. Well, I, I know that I'm trying to play it cool, but I am very starstruck. Is there anyone that you've ever been starstruck by Dolly that you met? 
Uh, not starstruck. I really admire people. I loved Elvis. I would have loved to have met him. I never did. But I just admire great talent. I admire uh, great people. So there's a lot of people I admire and respect. All right. Uh, people have asked me this question. Is is there a song you wish you had have written? Oh, Lordy. There's so many songs that I think, oh, why didn't I think of that? Sometimes when we touch. Oh, you know, great song. song. Great yeah, song. That song just kind of touches me in the ways that relationships are. I just love all the great songs that really have something to say, you know, like the mountain, you know, like uh, the climb. So anyhow, I just love them all. Dolly, your first album, Blue Ridge Mountain Boy, was absolutely my favorite album. I wore it out. Your songwriting, it is just so heartfelt, and it pierced my heart on every song. Gypsy Joe and Me, For Pete's Sake, those songs, I I can still remember the words to them when I can't remember the words to a song that I have out as a single nowadays, but I remember that album. It's so good. Thank you for that. Well, thank you. Blue Ridge Mountain, the cover of that album, is yeah. my actual husband. A lot of people don't realize that. The cover, I didn't know that. I, I, he never is involved in the business at all. And at this one particular time, because he was so handsome, you know, when he was young, he still is. Uh, but I had him, I said, you don't have to do nothing. You don't have to interview. Nobody has to see you. I just want you to go sit on this log <laughs> and take uh. this picture and be my Blue Ridge Mountain boy. And so he did. But there were a lot of songs in that. And you've told me before, like certain songs that, that you mentioned it. in that. A lot of those are story songs. And is that the one that has the Gypsy Joe and me? Yes. Yes. I was telling you a funny thing. There's the first line in that says that we might have slept in the mayor's yard or camped by the riverbank. And somebody sent me a letter, said, one of the greatest lines I've ever heard in a song was in Gypsy Joe and Me when you said, we might have slept in a mayonnaise jar. (laughs) 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 Slept by the river. Well, that's a better line than mine. That's one of the best Uh, getting the songs wrong sentence I've ever heard. Mayonnaise jar. I love that. I love it. What is one of your favorite songs that you wrote? Well, my very favorite song is called Coat of Many Colors. And it's not because it's so easy to sing, which it is, but it's really more than a song. It really is about mama, of course, and about having good parents. But it's also about acceptance. It's kind of touches on bullying. And it's really about just a lot of things in that song. In fact, they actually teach out of that little book. They made it into like a little grammar school book and they use it to talk about the difference in people, that it's okay to be different, that we should accept the differences in each other. So every night when I sing it, my mom and dad are gone now, but it just brings them so home to me. And mama, it's just like she's, when I'm holding my little auto harp, it's like I'm holding mama in my arms or my guitar, if I'm using the guitar. It's just like mama's just sitting in my lap like I used to sit in hers. And I just love that little song. Some of them are better, easier to sing, more, you know, as a singer, like I will always love you. That's always great. But Coach is my favorite. Is it something you would feel like singing, like just a a bar of it right now or no? <laughs> you can say no. <laughs> in my coat of many colors that my mama made for me. Made only from rags, but I wore it so proudly. And although we had no money, I was rich as I could be in my coat of many colors Mama made for me. 
because she made it just for me. Oh, my gosh, Dolly. Oh, wow. Your voice is just as beautiful as it was the first time I heard it. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) Wow. I just teared up. I mean, I'm not as ragged as my coat. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you are a trailblazer. You have, you know, you've blazed trails for so many young ladies and for women in there. And Reba was just talking before you came on that you were, you're still her idol. It's true, Dolly. You really are. I've always looked up to you. Is there something you haven't done? I mean, what haven't you done, Dolly? Is there something you haven't done that you want to do? Well, there's a lot of that I still want to do. I mean, I've still got to, like dreams are like trees. You know, they got deep roots, they got limbs, and they got leaves, and you got to be responsible for all that. But I'm still working on right now. I just started with IMG, my branding company, where I'm going to come out with my own perfume real soon. I've got a line of makeup, clothes, and all the stuff that I have not done yet. Wigs, I want to do wigs and pieces Great. and all that. But I'm still going to do more movies of the week and uh, maybe even do my life story. As I've got my Broadway musical still the works. I've been working on that for years. So I'm working on that now. So as long as I'm living, I'm working. And like Reba, we talked about retiring. I said, what would I do? And there's, there's no way I could retire. <laughs> I've always said I want to just be like one of those little fainting goats. You know, just, I just want to be running along and just kill over one day and just die right in the middle of a song. Hopefully one I've written. I don't think the world would let you retire. We need you. We need both of you here. You put so much positivity and joy out there. You can't go anywhere. Thank you. All right, y'all, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get five new Dollyisms from Dolly Parton. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. You guys, welcome back to our show. We're here with Dolly Parton, who's going to now give us her five tips on life. Her, what she calls, Dollyisms. Five new Dollyisms. Lay them on us. To me, one of the key things is to thine own self be true. I learned that years ago, and I think that's the mistake so many people make. They have too many people coming at them from too many directions. So you've got to stay focused on who you are. It's great to have a good spiritual base if you can, because that kind of keeps you anchored. People that don't believe in God, they kind of wander around. And if you don't believe in God, believe in that higher wisdom in yourself. So just stay true to you. And you'll be all right. That's perfect. So that's number one is to thine own self be true. What is number two? I guess you would say never ignore your roots, your home, or your hair. (laughs) That's why. Perfect. Perfect. And what's your next tip? A loose tongue can lead to broken teeth. (laughs) That's a thinker. That's a thinker, Dolly. 
Oh, my gosh. And here's one of my favorites, too, and I believe this with all my heart. Prayer is not a formal affair. It's more a come as you are. Love you like that. that one? Yes. I do love that one. Okay. And anyone who says you can't take it with you have never seen me pack. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love that. That's great. This has been so much fun getting to talk to you, Dolly, and to hear your amazing stories. You're a busy lady, and we love you, and come see us. When all this madness goes away, let's get together. When life is good again, we'll When life is good again, absolutely. Take care of yourself. We love you. you. Thank you. Thank you, Dolly. Love you. Bye-bye. Okay, well, you know what? 2020 was not an awesome year, you know, but this just made it all better for me that we got to sit down and talk to Dolly Parton today. She's got it all together. And she's so smart. And it's like she knows her business and she gets it done and always stands up for herself. And my favorite thing was that she got to give us five Dollyisms because we do know that if you go on Instagram or you go anywhere, People quote Dolly all the time, the little memes, because she's so memeable. She's She could write a book. So I thought, Reba, do you want to play a fun game with me? Because she is so wise and her she gives so much wisdom. A game about Dolly? Yeah. Okay. What is it? I was thinking, because as I, you know, she her Dollyisms, everything she says, she's, you know, so spiritual and inspirational and so wise. And I thought, you know, who else is like that? And you know who is? The Dalai Lama. Oh, my So gosh. I looked up some quotes from both Dollies, and I thought it might be fun to play a little game called Dolly or Dolly. And you have to decide, is this a quote from Dolly Parton or the Dalai Lama? All right, let her rip. I'm going to give you a quote. You tell me if it's Dolly or Dolly. Here we go. Okay. Give the ones you love wings to fly, roots to come back, and reasons to stay. Dolly Parton. Wrong. The Are Dalai you Lama. That sounds just like something Dolly would say. I know. This was what was so fun about it. Okay. All right, here's Next. another one. Find out who you are and do it on purpose. Dolly Parton. You're right. No? That one was oh, Dolly that was. Parton. Okay. All right. Good. That right. was Dolly Parton. That's okay. good. Okay. Here we go. Choose to be optimistic. It feels better. Dolly Parton. Dolly Lama. Wow. Uh-huh. Okay. I know. Isn't right. this amazing? I see why you like this game. If you don't like the road you're walking... Start paving another one. Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. We cannot direct the wind, but we can adjust the sails. Dolly Lama. Dolly Parton. Are you <laughs> kidding me? No, I'm not. Wow. Okay, here we go. Storms make trees take deeper roots. Dolly Lama. Dolly Parton. Okay, all right. She is just still my hero, and I'm still going to look up to her. Okay, all right. Well, there we go. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's a fun game. Dolly or Dolly. Both of them have words of wisdom to live by. Well, that was an excellent, excellent podcast. I am, I'm just, I'm thrilled about it. Not only did were we talking about forging your own path, but Dolly gave us some real cute little Dollyisms and. Got to talk about things that I didn't know. I didn't know about the Elvis Presley thing, but she's just so open. I I just, I've always admired her for that. Loretta Lynn is another woman that was just so open. What you see is what you get, and what comes out of their mouth is from their heart. Nothing fake. That's Dolly. Love her. And that's what we were saying, that I think the reason why you two are such good friends is because... You're both very genuine. You're both very authentic because you don't know any other way. You can only 
be yourselves. And I think that's what attracts you to each other. And what I loved that she said, and, you know, I feel like both of you are constantly foraging a path that is your own. But I liked when she had to say, I mean, the idea of saying no to Elvis Presley, like the idea of hearing his voice sing a song that you loved and you know that he loved that song too. And it all came down to a business decision that wasn't the right thing to say. Like, how hard is it? That had to be a hard one. But she knew in her heart, like listening to that voice, I've got to stand my ground. And that is a really hard thing to do. I think for for people, I think specifically women, sometimes we want to we want to make everybody happy. Probably would have been easier to say yes to Colonel Tom oh, and to Elvis sure. and say, you know what, 50%, whatever. You know, it's Elvis. I don't want to create waves. I don't want people to say, oh, you know, she's difficult to work with at Dolly Parton. But to do that, like that's a really wonderful lesson that it's, something can look so shiny and wonderful and glamorous and exciting, but you know that little voice is right. And it's about listening to it and having the backbone to do that. And I think I still work on that. I still have a hard time letting that voice be the loudest one in my head sometimes. Dolly's got a very unique way of looking into the future, kind of look forward. How is what I do right now going to affect my people? Because mm-hmm. she really takes care of her people in the future. I think that's a gift. And I think that's why, you know, that she is, is, if not as popular, even more popular today. Like she has, you know, new people discover her. And I think that's sort of a, a, a key to an artist or somebody who does evolve and continues to be relevant is that people are still interested. Young kids, people love her. Like people buy, I have Dolly t-shirts. Like it's, she's continuing to take care of business and take care of her people, Mm -hmm. but do it without compromising who she is. But it was fun. It was educational. I learned and agreed with everything Dolly said. Melissa, thanks. It was fun today. Thanks again to Dolly for joining us today and giving us so much of her very special wisdom. We're also so excited for Dolly's new Christmas album called Uh, Holly Dolly Christmas. (laughs) That comes out on October the 2nd, and I think we all need it this year. Absolutely. Well, I think we all need it, and I'm going to play it. The minute I get it, I'm playing it all the way until next Christmas because I love Dolly. I love Christmas albums, and it's going to be fabulous. It's Holly Dolly Christmas. You don't think people are going to think it's strange you playing Dolly's Christmas album at uh, Halloween? No, it's Dolly Parton. She is universal all the time. Absolutely. Well, y'all, thanks so much for tuning in on our episode this week. And be sure and tune in next week. We'll have a brand new topic, something you'll be really interested in. Really interested in. Living and Learning with Reba McIntyre is a Spotify original podcast. Hosted and produced by me, Reba McIntyre, and my dear friend, Melissa Peterman. Our executive producers are Liz Gately, Yasi Salek, Gina Delvac, Danny Traybatch, and Justin McIntosh. Also produced by Dylan Rupert. Michael Hardman is our editor. Original music is composed by Doug Sizemore. Special thanks to Cultivated Entertainment, Leah Edwards, Alec Nelson, Robert Adler, and Casey Simonson for production support.